views and opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. Welcome to this live broadcast of Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty Reed. I'm broadcasting from behind the enemy lines of USA Inc. It is a Thursday morning. Um, so glad that I woke up this morning. A lot of people didn't open their eyes this morning. It is June the 20th, 2019. June the 20th, 2019. Good morning to you all got a couple of news stories to get to, but before I get started, uh, let me make a couple of announcements. Uh, I still have not been able to post the podcast from yesterday's special broadcast of the HR 40 hearing that you had uh, with Congress yesterday. Um, lots of interesting things were presented. Um, I will have that podcast posted today. I had to break it up. A very, very large uh, file as we streamed for like five hours straight. And my software was locking up last night after I got through with New Abolitionist Radio. And I was like, you know what? Hey, I'm tired. I'm going to sleep. And um, I'll get those things posted in the morning. So I, I have successfully broken up the files. And I'll get those uploaded this morning along with last night's broadcast of New Abolitionist Radio, which was a continuation um, of examining uh, the hearing that was held yesterday in Congress. Um, appreciate those who called in and presented their observations and um, their questions and, and comments. So I'll get that posted later today uh, after this program uh, goes off air. All right. So uh, also, please continue to support the North Carolina-based nonprofit Black Talk Media Project, which manages Black Talk Radio Network. Um, we pay for all the streams that, that you see on the network. Um, we actually have other networks that uh, we are working on uh, bringing uh, online. Uh, one of those networks is timeforawakening.com. They're already online, been online for a couple of years. Um, but, um, you know, we just need to grow our networks and what I mean by that is we need localized digital media platforms whether it's podcasting uh, video digital radio or a combination we need localized and that is to replace the black radio stations that we lost um, that featured talk radio talking about politics talking about social issues talking about localized 
issues. We lost those as a result of the 1996 Telecommunications Act, which allowed the large corporations like Clear Channel, uh, known today as iHeartRadio, to have uh, more than their fair share of radio stations in any given market. And what they did was squeezed out um, the independently owned uh, entrepreneur, who, a black entrepreneur who was running a, a radio station. And radio media in general is very powerful. Um, radio played a tremendous role in the civil rights movement uh, in organizing and informing people. And I believe it was a deliberate intent to take that mode of communication or that means of communications away from us. So, um, you know, we are known for being resourceful people. And thankfully, some technology came along that allowed us to create our own digital radio stations. Um, and it's better than terrestrial radio, to be honest with you, because terrestrial radio has a limited reach. That antenna can only reach so many miles now. Some of these stations got very powerful uh, antennas that reach several states at, at the same time. But with internet digital radio, your audience is global, long as they have access to the internet. So please continue to support our efforts through Black Talk Media Project. And you can make a donation by going to blacktalkradionetwork.com. Our uh, website for Black Talk Media Project is undergoing some changes. Um, that's where you'll be able to see different projects that we're working on and, and you know, the funding that's needed for those projects. So that's what I envision doing in the future, uh, breaking it down like, like that. Um, so, again, I don't really, I don't have a staff. I have a couple of volunteers um, who do this and that, um, but most of the work falls on me, and that's because we don't have a large enough budget for us to even hire uh, people, and we relied on volunteers over the years, and we've only had two volunteers, but, you know, uh, despite the small budget that we have operated on all these years, um, we still were able um, to be ranked as the number one digital radio and podcasting platform that targets black people. So uh, we've been doing a lot with a little and, you know, we will be good stewards of um, whatever amount that you can send to support our efforts. So you can also support our efforts and get something in return, like a secure social media outlet uh, or platform, which is btrcommunity.com. It does have a $24 a year subscription that breaks down to just 50 cent a week. Um, that also helps fund Black Talk Media Project, but you can engage in the same social media activity that you engage in on other platforms without the risk, um, without your identities being stolen, without your identities being sold. You won't even see any advertisement, not even Google ads on uh, our social media platform. It's an ad-free Zone, So you can also um, pick whatever username you want. We are not like uh, those outlets like Facebook. They force people to use the real names. And so and they want your real names and information uh, so that they can sell it to marketers. And we don't engage in that. Um, no, we, we certainly don't. We're against that. All right. So 
Those are two ways that you can support um, the work of Black Talk Media Project by making a, a donation of any amount. Again, we are a nonprofit. I want to stress that we are a nonprofit. And um, so you can make a donation or you can also join BTR Community. Dot com. So, I'm going to be on air uh, for the full two hours of this morning because I'm so behind in work and I need to catch up on some stuff. I, I need to look at a proposal for a new program that a young lady wants to uh, host on Black Talk Radio. So, I, I'm just behind. So, I'm going to get through the news. But if you have a question or comment, you can give us a call. Um, at 704-802-5056, 704-802-5056, hit the star key twice to get in the caller's queue. Please watch your background noise. Be mindful of the quality of the audio um, that we want to preserve. All right, so uh, let me get to some um the stories. Let me give you a quick rundown of some of the stories that I will be covering. Um going to take a look at recent news that came out in the last 24 to 48 hours. Uh, the big news is as soon as I, you know, went to find some stories, the number one story right now is Iran reportedly shot down a U.S., a United States surveillance drone. Um, it says entered their territory. So we'll take a look at that story. Um, again, I feel like the Trump administration, uh, especially with with the people that he brought into his administration, the neocons like John Bolton, um, Elliot Abrams, uh, Pompeo, Secretary, these are these are war hawks, or, or I should say, what they call them, uh, chicken hawks, chicken hawks. They 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 love to push people into war but these wars they don't fight themselves that you know they don't have to risk their lives and so um, when you're fighting wars with other people's children uh, you tend to be reckless because you don't have any real stake uh, in these wars um, so that has been escalating and it could turn into a shooting war at, at any moment and uh, you could say um, this is a start of that shooting war with Iran shooting down a drone that it claims entered its territory. Of course, the U.S. is denying it says that they were in international waters. Um, one thing I was taking note of this morning was the difference in the reporting. Um, I will share a news uh, um, report from an uh, outlet out of France. Um, but I also took a look at CBS News report on it this morning with Gail King, Oprah's friend. And um, I took a look at a couple of other uh, stories in the U.S. media. And, and I've already known this. It, it isn't surprising. You should know it, too. Um, you know how the mainstream media always beats the drums of war for the U.S. government. They don't act like objective journalists. Um, they put up, they put on a little act like they're being objective, but they're not really being objective. And I noticed a CBS report this morning um, tried to connect other things that happened in the region and suggest that Iran was behind it. Um, so just be very careful of the war propaganda that is uh, being aim aimed at you. How many times have we been lied to and those lies advanced through mainstream media? So we'll take a look at that. Also, 
We got a press release from the NAACP. Um, the NAACP, the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, is partnering with Ghana officials, and I'm talking about the nation Ghana in Africa, in case you didn't know um, what the, what I'm talking about, but Ghana officials are, are partnering with the NAACP, they're marking 400 years of African enslavement, um, and to, and they calling it an anniversary, it's not, I mean, I guess you can call it an anniversary, but again, um, for regular listeners of this program, you know I say slavery never ended. And it's not that I'm saying it because it's my opinion. Um, I'm just relaying the facts as stated in the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, the very amendment that people claim ended slavery but did not end slavery and made exceptions for slavery and involuntary servitude that they can convict you of a crime. And um, most people, I believe, today know, I, I would say a majority of the people know, that the uh, criminal justice system has been criminalizing certain groups of people, um, have been making uh, uh, laws to criminalize certain people activity that wasn't criminalized before, and this has resulted in the world's largest prison slave population. It is big business, and uh, a profitable business and profit, profit, profitable businesses usually don't go out of business. And the United States and the states um, have not uh, ended that profitable business of making money off of bodies. It's, it's slavery. You say it's slavery by another name. I, I call it prison slavery. Um, people have different names for it. Some people refer to it as mass incarceration, but I call it slavery. So, but anyway, um, this is this uh, partnership with Ghana is to mark 400 years. Uh, it's something like Jamestown to Jamestown. I will get to the details of that. But the aim is to connect those in the diaspora, whether you're an African descendant person in the United States, if you're in the Caribbean, if you're in South Central America, if you're in Mexico. Um, a lot of people don't know that you you have uh, former, you, you have uh, um, victims of slavery that had escaped from Georgia into Florida, hooked up with some Seminole Indians, uh, was integrated into that tribe, and they battled the U.S. Uh, Army. I believe it was Andrew Jackson, matter of fact. Is it Andrew Jackson? Yeah. But anyway, they had battled the U.S. Cavalry to a standstill um, to where uh, there was a ceasefire called, and they were allowed to leave Florida and settle in Mexico. So you, you have African um, descending people all over the world, victims of, of, of slavery. Um, so yeah, even in Mexico. And so they're just trying to uh, bring us all together uh, to connect back with the homeland of Africa. And I know people use that term, but um, this is my home. This is where I was born. Uh, many generations were born here. Um, but I do have, I do recognize my ancestral connection to Africa. All right, so Joe Biden, Joe Biden, man, I tell you, if Joe Biden ends up with the nomination from the DNC, 
Donald Trump will become president again, even if it's just an electoral college. You know, Joe Biden wins California and, and that huge bag of votes, it still won't be enough to capture the electoral college. And, and he's just that bad of a candidate. I mean, he's as bad, if not worse, than Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton wasn't known for all of these gaffes you know, uh, that this guy makes, um, um, you know, she was a better candidate than he is, if you ask me, but he's taking criticism once again for remarks about being civil with racists and, and working with segregation, with segregationists and his fondness of them. I mean, he speaks of them in nostalgic terms. And, and so he's taking uh, criticism from not only people in the United States, but he's taking criticism from um, his fellow contenders uh, about that. So that's a, a couple of the headlines uh but there is uh, more news that I want to share uh let me see a local senator in Pennsylvania uh Anthony Williams Senator Anthony Williams he is a black guy and he's asking Governor Tom Wolf to declare a state of emergency in Philadelphia after another violent weekend in the city saw 32 people become victims of gun violence. There were 23 shootings in 13 of the city's police districts, some having more than one victim. And, you know, this also just reminds me of, you know, you had Republicans call their witnesses for that hearing yesterday. And this guy want to bring up, quote, even though he didn't use the term black on black crime, but we know that's what he was talking about. And that has nothing to do with reparations unless you want to connect it um, to the long history of disenfranchisement, of redlining, of, of you know, just uh, racist practices uh, which was brought up yesterday in, in the hearing by a number of, of scholars and what have you. Um, but that that black on black crime has nothing to do with reparations. It has nothing to do with it. Um, and, you know, it was just a shame that this guy was coming on here spewing these conservative talk, talking points and to suggest that black folks aren't trying to address the, the uh, crime that occurs in, in their communities. And, and, you know, we shouldn't act like crime is only occurring and violent crime is only occurring in our community. They just seem to capture the headlines. But since this is a black radio station, it is something we should and have talked about. You know, um, um, I like to promote um, the 10 basic stops that victims of racism should practice in speech and action pre uh, presented by Mr. Neely Fuller Jr. Um, um, that would lead to less conflict. Um, I was thinking today about the NAACP and I looked at a news video of the uh, Ghana ambassador's wife speaking on uh, what they have planned in Ghana for African Americans who want want to come there. I was thinking, you know, perhaps more of our young people, because I do have a story about students, Pan-African students, since we have some people saying Pan-Africanism is dead and what have you, but I have a story about Pan-African students from the U.S. Uh, traveling to Ghana. So I was thinking that perhaps, you know, there should be a program in these high poverty, high crime areas um, 
even if it's a referral by by the courts or what have you, you know, they have these diversionary programs. If you are charged with, let's say, possession of marijuana, they in a lot of states now, they are in in, in counties and what have you, they are um, sending you to what's known as a diversionary program for first-time offenders or, or what have you. I, I would say that these youth, uh, instead of sending them to these so-called scare straight camps where they abuse these children and, and yell and scream at them and psychologists have called it child abuse. Okay, instead of sending troubled youth um, to, to, I call them concentration camps, internment camps, whatever you want to call them, um, you know, but why not send them to Africa? to instill some kind of cultural pride in, into them, to, you know, give them uh, something that they're not getting uh, from America, um, from the United States, I, I should say. So, you know, I just wanted to bring that up. Um, but, yeah, it, we do need to address this violence in our community. Um, I feel like what's also contributing a lot to that is a mindset that's being promoted on the very radio stations that took over, uh, um, the vi by the very corporations that took over all these black radio stations, you know, the clear channels and stuff. And then all of this 24 seven promotion of gangster rap, drill rap, just very misogynistic, cr uh, uh, promoting criminalized behavior, um, I have no doubt in my mind that that has an impact on, on people's codes of conduct. And it's just pitiful um, that all of these big corporations are funding that. They're funding that. If I'm playing music on a station that's talking about uh, N-words killing each other or raping uh, somebody's girlfriend or just all kind of... Um, just terrible, terrible, terrible uh, behavior. And I'm, and I'm pushing that out on my radio station and Walmart or McDonald's or Subway is playing advertisement on my station. Then they're, they're responsible. They're, they are partly responsible as well as they are underwriting the programming. They're making the programming possible. And so, you know, that's why I do support uh, the, um, uh, what is it? The Congress, the uh, Congress of Black Women, um, and that's not has nothing to do with Congress, but it's a separate organization. And them calling for a boycott started yesterday of Subway and um, I believe it's McDonald's as well, as they are major underwriters of this this rap music that goes out over the public airwaves. That is just so disrespectful to black women and it also um, calls for domestic violence it normalizes so much criminalized behavior and you're not going to tell me this doesn't have an impact on young minds and and then just think about somebody who let's say they was born when gangster rap became popular so they grown up 30 years on gangster rap you, you don't think that that person's going to have a warped sense of values and what have you. So um, I always got to point out the underlying um, things that are there that I feel like are interconnected to the violence in, in our community. But make no mistake, wealth inequality, 
um, pay discrimination, job discrimination, underemployment, all of that contributes to why not just black people, but all people uh, commit crimes. Where there's poverty, you're going to find crime. Um, not to say that crime is only found in impoverished areas because I, I know that ain't nobody worried about their next meal or worried about they paying their rent. It works on Wall Street, and lots of crimes occur on Wall Street uh, every day, especially the hum when we're talking about slavery, modern-day prison slavery, where private prisons um, are traded on, the, you can buy stock in the uh, private prison company. So um, crime is not just limited to poor people. Uh, let me see. I thought this was an interesting story. XGOP representative says, I see a shooter when I look at Kyle Koshuff's racist post. And they're talking about the Parkland high school student who survived the shooting, um, but he's also a conservative. And he was accepted to Harvard, but then that um, they rescinded their uh, his acceptance when they went over his social media posts and they found that he was making all these racist comments. And this Republican former uh, representative David jo Jolly asserted yesterday that the racist messages that he was sending to classmates were the hallmarks of a mass shooter. And conservatives are, are all got their panties in a bunch. Listen, Harvard's a private institution. Nobody's entitled to go to Harvard. If anybody should be entitled to go to Harvard, that is the descendants of the victims of slavery um, that Harvard, um, you know, owned and all the money that it got from slavery and what have you. But, you know, um, nobody is entitled to go to a private university. They, they get to pick and choose. Just like nobody's entitled to be a part of BTR community. Nobody's entitled to become a, a part of Facebook or YouTube. These are all privately held entities. These aren't uh, government-run entities. And if they don't want a certain language going out over their platforms, certain ideologies, uh, hate speech, anything like that, Look, they get to pick and choose cause they, because they own the platforms. And I just don't understand. There's a lot of progressives that want to stand up for people like, um, what's his name? Um, I, I noticed that, um, um, what what is the guy's name? His name escapes me right now. Infowars, the guy with Infowars, uh, who uh, was saying that the uh, what was the shooting at that school was all a fraud and all that, and then he got uh, sued by the parents. Man, I can't think of the guy's uh, name right now. But now they're saying that uh, pedophile uh, uh, pedophilic in images, child porn was found on one of his computers. And uh, he's trying trying to deny that, but people acting like, you know, um, these right wing pundits who engage in dehumanizing speech have a right to these private platforms. They may be open to the public, but they're privately held, and you don't, and you don't. So you want to talk about people with an entitlement and mentality? Um, you need to be talking to them conservatives. They think they're entitled to to be able to. Uh, engage in all kind of indefensible 
uh, conduct and, and think it's, a, it's covered by the First Amendment or what have you. Um, also, another story that we'll uh, briefly touch upon, Japanese-American uh, internment camp survivors are protesting at immigrant detention facilities. Um, and I thought that was a pretty cool gesture. I thought it was the right thing to do. Um, again, right-wingers. I know Liz Cheney has been saying, uh, taking shots at Alexand Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez for calling uh, these detention facilities concentration camps. And all of a sudden, right-wing, suspected racist white people want to become the defenders of Jews all of a sudden. Give me a break. Y'all ain't doing nothing but appropriating that issue and, and using it to attack other people. And, you know, saying that it's, it's uh, what did they say? That it's, uh, it's like attacking Jews or minimizing the Jewish Holocaust in Germany by saying that Donald Trump's running concentration camps. Concent in concentration camps, that term was in existence well before Nazi Germany. Uh, it's a term that you can trace back to the 1800s. And it's a term that means rounding up civilians and putting them into camps. Okay? Um, it, it was um, part of the Boer Wars in Africa where, you know, they were uh, just rounding up non-combatants, women, children, old people, and throwing them into camps. And, and a lot of people died in those camps as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think that it was uh, great to see these Japanese Americans. Because one of the things I tweeted at Liz Cheney, I said, do you get this upset? When people talk about Japanese-American concentration camps, I mean, who made these people the word police? Now, I am a stickler for using words in their proper context, and, and, and especially knowing the definition of the words you're using. Because I hear some people, they use words that obviously they're not using it in a way that has anything to do with the definition of the word. They use it out of context. And, and so I'm, I'm a stickler for that. I'm a stickler for that. But people like Liz Cheney don't get to tell other people uh, we don't get to use the word concentration camp. We don't get to use internment camps. Give, give me a break. Um, anyway, Joe Biden think I might say him for last. Uh, Joe Biden, again, defending comments about working with segregationist lawmakers. I got a story from NPR to share with you. Um, yesterday, I had the question this morning, uh, where does Joe Biden stand on this H.R. 40 reparations bill to establish a commission to study the issue and come up with uh, proposed remedies? Again, slavery as I stated um, in in the past, when you're talking reparations and you're talking reparations in, in relation to African-Americans, it cannot be just tied to slavery because, first of all, slavery was never abolished. And who's the number one target for enslavement in this country, this modern form of enslavement? 
They're saying that the criminal justice system is broken. No, it's not. It was designed to do this right after the Civil War. It's doing exactly what it was designed to do. But and so you have to look at that time period. That time period includes my grandfather, includes my mother, and it includes me. It's still going on to this day to varying uh, degrees. So reparations cannot just be tied to slavery. Uh, the states and the U.S. government specifically after African-Americans were made citizens by way of the 14th Amendment, there was a deliberate and documented documented efforts to then disenfranchise those people. Those are harms. Those are harms. Um, so, Joe Biden, I said, well, Joe Biden awful quiet on reparation. Where did he stand? I, I, I see where these other candidates have said that they support creating the study, which isn't the same as saying I support reparation, but let's get one step at a time. The proper thing to do is to compile the evidence, make the argument, and come up with the proposed programs. Okay? Um, and Joe Biden really doesn't support it and so I'm, I'm uh, going to uh, discuss that article as well so let's get into uh, these news stories the first thing that I'm going to take a listen to is this story concerning uh, Iran and US tensions ramping up Iran has shot down a surveillance drone that belongs to the U.S. military. They say that it violated their airspace. Of course, the Pentagon is in denial. The State Department's in denial, saying it was in international waters. Uh, them uh, escalating, um, I, and I, when I say them, I'm saying Trump. The Trump administration sending these troops, sending these aircraft carriers, making all of these threats. Um, you have created this condition. You have created this condition. So if a shooting, and, and this could be the first shots, although some will say uh, those false flag attacks like what happened in the Gulf of Oman that many people was comparing to the Gulf of Tonkin, the false flag that never happened um, to get us into the Vietnam War, um, some people would say that's the first shots. Um, but um, this is Iran actually it's military the Revolutionary Guard actually shooting down a US weapon um, so the shooting war has started um, will it escalate time will only tell I hope it doesn't I hope cooler heads prevail I do not want to see tens of thousands possibly another million people uh, being killed in a, yet another war uh, the United States is wasting um, its young people's lives on as well as taxpayer money. So um, I thought that this report from uh, France 24 was pretty objective. It was more objective um, than what I was seeing in the U.S. Uh, media. So let's give it a listen. Thanks for joining us. Now, we've just heard the Revolutionary Guard say the shooting down of this drone has sent a clear message okay, to the U.S. Reason, Can you tell us what I that is? Not hearing it. It's not playing. Let me open it up on YouTube and see if I can figure out. Uh, we have indeed. This hearing. was the head of Iran's okay, Revolutionary Guard, Major General Hossein uh, Salami, who said that Iran's borders were a red line in today's shooting. 
uh, shooting down of the U.S. drone uh, was a message to the U.S. that any aggression would result in a crushing response uh, by Iran. Uh, Major General uh, Salami also uh, stating that Iran is prepared for war, but perhaps more importantly, Uh, The senior military official saying Iran does not want war, which is uh, a a statement that U.S. officials have uttered as well. A little bit more detail about what happened this this morning, Um, the the shooting down of the drone uh, by Iran's Revolutionary Guard. They described the drone as a surveillance drone. Uh, This drone was not an attack drone. It was not uh, weaponized. It had a span of about uh, 40 uh, meters. Uh, Iran has shot down uh, U.S. uh, drones uh, uh, before. Um, And we should point out that there's conflicting uh, reports about how this and where this uh, drone was shot down. The U.S. uh, is saying that the drone was shot down in international waters. Uh, Iran saying that the drone was shot down uh, over Iranian uh, territory. So all of this, of course, coming amid heightened tensions between the U.S. Uh, and Iran of several days ago, of course, a number of oil tankers uh, were attacked. The U.S. claiming it was Iran. Iran still firmly denying that. And we mentioned the recent incidents in the Strait of Hormuz. That's an extremely important energy route. About a fifth of the world's oil passes through there. Can you tell us about some of the international interests at stake and Iranian interests, too? Yeah, uh, you stated the interest. About a fifth of the world's uh, oil supply moves through this very narrow strait that's about 30 kilometers uh, in in width. Um, The strait is uh, between the Persian Gulf and the Gulf of Oman. So obviously any impediment to this strait will wreak havoc to the uh, global oil uh, markets. Obviously uh, it would raise oil prices in the West, in the U.S. The U.S. doesn't want that. One of the major interests of the U.S., especially in the Strait of Hormuz in this region, is the free flow, free navigation. And if they see an impediment in free navigation, they have warned that they're going to respond. Uh, in April, uh, right before uh, U.S. President Donald Trump withdrew the U.S. from the Iran nuclear deal, there were some Iranian officials who suggested that that may be an option of Iran closing down the Strait of, uh, of Hormuz. We haven't seen any uh, further statements, but obviously this is a region, the Strait of Hormuz, important for Iran and the international community. Now, in terms of the Iranian uh, position on the drone incident this morning, it does seem exceptionally coordinated, a consensus between all branches of power there. Can you give us some of the details on that? Yeah, the the consensus has been in place for a number of months, ever since U.S. President uh, Donald Trump came into power threatened to pull the U.S. uh, out of the Iran nuclear deal and eventually doing so. Uh, All political factions, moderate fundamentalist principles, uh, have been united in responding uh, to the maximum pressure campaign from Washington. In this instance as well, and it just highlights that when Iran's security is at stake, both moderates and fundamentalists here here in Iran who have very serious differences... uh, all unite in response to this pressure. Thank you. Okay, sorry about those technical difficulties. Um, it was playing. It was my uh, speakers that um, got unplugged, and that's why I couldn't hear it. So sorry about that. Um, but one of the key things that I thought was important from that report was him saying that 
all of the different groups in Iran, the Iranian people are uniting over this max maximum pressure. Remember, um, on Tando Radio Show, I, I remember a few weeks back, we had uh, discussed the fact that um, there was audio of John Bolton on a telephone call or something, um, or I don't know if it was a recording of a meeting where he was uh, saying, we'll starve Iran out. We'll starve your people. And, and so, again, this, this is an attack on on humanity, okay, uh, in the so-called name of U.S. interest. Well, I'm not interested um, in war. I'm not interested in a bunch of people getting killed for so that um, the United States and corporations can continue to have hedge money over the energy sector. I'm, I'm, I'm not for that. Um, if those people don't like their government, uh, they can change it on their own. We shouldn't be interfering uh, in uh, meddling in other people's countries. I mean, think about all the people that's up in arms uh, on the allegation, which has not been proven in my mind. I've seen no evidence that there was any kind of conspiracy of collusion with the Russians to influence uh, the U.S. election. But just think about that. Um, a lot of people was mad about that and saying that's an attack on the United States and they actually want to go to war with, with Russia. But then, you know, they don't say anything when the U.S. government overthrows countries, throws sanctions, unilateral sanctions on people, uh, on nations, I should say, and people, uh, individuals, all to force those governments to bend to the wheel of the United States. That's some people call it American imperialism. I call it uh, um, I call it that as well. It's global white supremacy, and it doesn't matter if non-white people are in positions of government, in the military, and what have you. I've often stated that when I was in the military, I was used as a tool of white supremacy to kill non-white people on the behalf of U.S. oil corporations. Not on the behalf, not because I was defending American or U.S. sovereignty or defending the lives of the uh, uh, U.S. citizens or the population, the residents here. No, no. All of those wars were about oil. When I say all those wars, I'm, I'm talking about Afghanistan. I'm talking about Iraq. And now they want to get into a uh, um, big old fight with Iran. And you're not just going to be fighting the Iranians. Um, so I thought that was very important uh, point that he made that the moderates and the extremists in Iran are uniting in the face of this threat from the United States. Um, you know, I saw an article the other day where uh, I might have mentioned it on BTR News where this one think tank fellow was was basically saying, oh, it'll be a cakewalk. You know, same thing Dick Cheney said about Iraq. Oh, they'll greet us as liberators. And here we are still in Iraq, even though the Iraqis want us out. All right. So um, the very important thing to pay attention to in that region, um, as it can impact us here at home, Um you know, we we want to tell people to get prepared, um, stock up on on um, non-perishable items, canned food, dry goods. Um, if you don't have a generator, get a generator. Um, you know, if you're able to store gas, store gas. Cause you you never know. 
Uh, this could blow up, and then, you know, the next couple of days, we're looking at $10 a gallon gas uh, in this country. Um, gas prices also affect food prices because of the transportation costs of, of that food. So um, look at these things with a serious eye and get prepared. Get prepared uh, for the worst. All right, let me move on um, from there. Next story that I want to get into there is I came across a press release this morning of the NAAC, from the NAACP. They are commemorating 400 years of, of the African diaspora in Jamestown to Jamestown event from America to Africa. Um, let me pull up the press release and read it to you. I also have a couple of clips related to this story. Um, this um the official event of Ghana's historic year of return to be announced at the 50th annual Image Awards. I, I do not like the NAACP Image Awards. I have done um, podcasts on this a uh, number of years ago um, because they give Image Awards to rappers who talk about selling crack, who talk about shooting N-words, who, who talk about date-raping women. Um, they should not be getting image awards from you, NAACP. Just very, what kind of image do you want? But I digress. That's a totally separate issue. Um, but anyway, uh, the NAACP announced this historic Jamestown to Jamestown event partnership, marking the 400th year enslaved Africans first touched the shores of what will become of the United States. An official event of Ghana's year of return, Jamestown to Jamestown will allow for NAACP leadership, NAACP members, and members of the African American community to honor both ancestors and the struggle for black liberation in a groundbreaking trek from Jamestown, Virginia to Jamestown, Ghana in August this year. Jamestown to Jamestown represents one of the most powerful moments in the history of the black experience, said NAACP President and CEO Derek Johnson. We are now able to actualize the healing and collective unity so many generations have worked to achieve in ways which bring power to our communities in America, Africa, and throughout our diaspora. The Jamestown to Jamestown event kicks off August the 18th in Washington, D.C. So still got a couple of months um, when it officially kicks off this event. Um, but um, where participants will travel via bus to Jamestown, Virginia for a prayer vigil and candle lighting ceremony marking the African Ma'afa, which means the African Holocaust, which is ongoing. Um, a term describing the horrific suffering embedded in the past four centuries related to the enslavement process. Participants will travel back to D.C. for a special gathering at the National Museum of African American History and Culture designed by Ghanaian uh, architect Sir David Ajay. Uh, prior to departing to Ghana on a direct flight for seven to ten days of rich cultural, spiritual, and cathartic experiences designed to connect our present to our African past in ways to empower and invigorate the continued struggle for full liberation and justice worldwide. Some trip events will include a prayer vigil at the Jamestown, Virginia settlement, direct charter flight to Ghana from Washington, D.C., and Satural, and Satural 
healing ceremony at Jamestown Acura um, for uh, five-star hotel accommodations, business investment and development summit, Black Tie Gala, African um, Ancestry.com DNA reveal ceremony, Kate Coast and Yamina Castle revisit, a scene Monso Last Bath Slave River and um, a festival that'll be held at the Mahaya Palace in Kumasi. Um, so if you want to learn more about this, go to www.jamestown, the number two, Jamestown. Jamestown to jamestown.com. So that's the number two, Jamestown to jamestown.com. Um, let me go ahead and, and play this clip, uh, which features... Pan-African students um, uh, who are already participating in Ghana's year of return. They declared 2019 a year of return. So let's give it a list. Our organization is really committed to bringing students to reconnect with the motherland, especially in this time of the year return. It's time to come back home. While we were on the plane and we were about to touch down, I instantly could feel in my feet a connection between myself and this soil. So spiritually, I'm expecting this experience to be abundant. People don't really understand that as African Americans, even though we have been disconnected in every way imaginable, if you just come back to the continent, you feel that connection just instantly like reconnect. This is what Year of the Return is aiming to have, that there's a two-way street of exchange of ideas, commerce, culture, fellowship. So I'm happy to be here and, you know, Ghana should just keep up the good work. We mustn't underestimate the damage that has been done in our separation. We have to bridge that gap. And that gap can only be bridged if we stay in communication, working out the issues together. Take the shackles off my feet. Make a go, make a go. It's a battle with the beast. Take your shield, here we go. Kwame Kuma take over. New Africa make over. Let's bow our heads and pray your Lord. I would like for you to research and analyze Pan-Africanism and the African continent and the diaspora. Learn what civilizations were and how it worked prior to the Africans' contact with people from the outside. And that will give you one foundation and perspective about Pan-Africanism. We're saying to everybody, this is home. Trace your roots back. Find a way that connects with what your beliefs are. And make sure that through that consciousness, we make a contribution to the society around us. So what we heard right there was from uh, the students themselves, some of the uh, organizers, 
as well. And, you know, I wanted to really touch upon this story this morning because there is a recent and I'm sure it's not anything new, but uh, because, you know, uh, Malcolm X spoke about the U.S. media and people from the United States telling Africans in Africa that uh, we don't want nothing to do with them. And then, you know, uh, uh, Africans being fed misinformation. And But what's so sad about uh, this recent um, um, movement to cause division among uh, people of African descent, you know, they have declared Pan-Africanism dead. And I'm like, Pan-Africanism isn't dead just because you don't participate in something doesn't mean that it isn't going on. Just because you don't hear about these things on mainstream uh, uh, U.S. media doesn't mean that these things aren't going on in our community that, um, you know, um, these things have been going on for quite some time for quite some time and it just hasn't really uh, gotten mass participation because there's been a concerted effort to suppress pan-Africanism and Malcolm X you know spoke about this I, I just it's just a shame that he was murdered and he's not here to see a fulfillment of his vision of Africans no matter where they are in the world but particularly here in the United States reconnecting, building a, a, a bridge, a communication. And so I also want to shout out to our listening audience that's in Africa. Um, we deliberately one year did an outreach to English speakers uh, uh, in Africa. I looked up to see what African nations had a large population of English speakers and Ghana was one of those and uh, Black Talk Media Project paid for Facebook promotions um, targeting those Africans on Facebook. And we did have some success. Um, but again, you know, we have people all throughout the world in the diaspora, Africans who tune in uh, to Black Talk Radio Network. So, you know, I just wanted to say that Pan-Africanism is still alive. You can't use an individual African immigrant who has said some some nasty things about African Americans and then uh, use that as some kind of evidence to say oh, this is the mindset of all Africans. It's, it's ignorant and it's just simply not true. It, it's a lie. And I, I just I just really don't understand what's in these people's hearts. Um, and maybe they're more more concerned about uh, making connections with with I say racist suspects because uh, a lot of them was like you know supportive of Donald Trump in some of their language and and what have you and supporting what's going on uh, at the border and the mass detention of immigrants and you know that's that's just very very sad to see but I want to fight that disinformation uh, Pan Africanism is very very much alive um you know i was actually invited i had to turn it down though um but i was invited to nigeria to help a christian pastor uh african christian pastor to uh help them set up a digital radio station and you know um nigeria isn't the most stable place right now um, and also, um, I am not prepared uh, physically to make such a long journey. And like I told them, I can teach you all you need to know online. 
Um, you can you can listen online, and I would love for the Black Talk Media Project in the future to that be one of our projects um, to go into Africa, uh, where they may not have terrestrial radio, and um, help them create their own digital uh, platforms and what have you, because uh, internet access is growing uh, in Africa. A lot of the major me- metropolitan a- areas do have access to the internet. Um, so we do want to develop grassroots media platforms for African descended people all over the planet. Not just here in the United States, but that that's my vision. Nowhere close to realizing that vision, but maybe uh, in the future, that is something we will be able to do. Um, I do want to play one more video. This is uh, Ghana's official video for the year of return on here you will also hear from african americans and ghanaians All black, all the, the Western blacks, they need to embrace, they need to embrace what Africa is in order for them to grow in their overall spirituality. And at this point in time, it is crucial for diasporians to return to the motherland. Come and see, because we have been brainwashed for so many years that we truly don't know ourselves anymore. So this is an opportunity for diasporians to come home and see and feel for themselves what it is like to be home. But I would like to say in conclusion that the most important consequences of all the activity we're here to initiate is that together on both sides of the Atlantic, we will work together to make sure that never again will we allow a handful of people with superior technology to walk into Africa, seize our peoples, and sell them into slavery. And so those were, um, that was the official uh, video from Ghana on its year of return. They have declared 2019 a year of return. There's uh, more information you can find on YouTube. Um, There are, uh, they're trying to make it as affordable for everybody. Uh, I heard the ambassador to the United States from Ghana, uh, his wife giving an interview, and she was saying that there are efforts to discount plane tickets, discount uh, accommodations, and um, she was just talking about the proper way that African Americans and diasporan Africans uh, to uh, travel there. Um, so, yeah, check check that information out. But again, the uh, NAACP's um, 
Jamestown, the Jamestown event, um, which will culminate in a trip to Ghana, um, doesn't kick off until August the 16th, I believe, um, if I remember correctly. But you still have time to plan for that. All right. I'm going to take a station identification break. Um, and then when I come back, I will get into some of this other news. Um the guy in one of the videos was talking about we've been brainwashed and Malcolm X talked about us being brainwashed not to have any kind of reverence for Africa or to honor our ancestral roots, to even deny our ancestral roots um, or, or ties to Africa. But part of that brainwashing, the guy was saying that we don't even know ourselves and he's so right. And that's why I've been promoting speech, the Grammy winning, um, Grammy award winning artist of Arrested Development. And he made the miniseries documentary. Um, you can find it on YouTube, The Nigger Factory. Because lots of Africans have been brainwashed to believe that they niggas and they call each other niggas and they call themselves niggas and they don't see the problem with with that and they come up with these lame excuses oh we mean it as a term of endearment then why was you talking about shooting that nigga on your rap song if you was talking about it as a term of endearment a express a expression of love give me a, a break you know and and we have to shut down the nigga factory. The nigga factory is run by white people. The nigga factory is run by suspected racists. And what they do with the nigga factory is brainwash Africans to believe that they're niggas and to adopt nigga codes of conduct that are very detrimental to themselves and to black people. And we have to shut it down. And so that means we got to shut down these killer radio stations. We got to put economic pressure on these corporations that underwrite nigga radio so that we can kill nigga radio. White people can shut down nigga radio anytime they get ready. But um, it's part of the brainwashing. It's part of the brainwashing. So um, lots of brainwashing going on, and we need to free the minds of, of African people. All right, so I'm going to take a station identification break, play a, a quick music track. And when I come back, I want to get into um, this local senator calling for a state of emergency after 30 people shot in Philadelphia. You know, violence brought to you by nigger radio. All right. Um, then we'll look at this ex-GOP senator saying, uh, calling this um, this uh, racist kid out of Florida um, a mass shooter. He's saying this guy has all the hallmarks of a mass shooter. Um, again, conservatives are up in arms because uh, Harvard rescinded his uh, admission after they found all of those racist, terroristic posts that he made on social media. Um, again, Japanese Americans are protesting at the immigrant detention facilities in Texas. Um, uh, feeling, um, I guess, a urge to stand up for people um, because they don't want to see what happened to them happen to other people. And so they are able to empathize with these people coming from South America, even though they're not Japanese. Because, again, uh, we got these, these, oh, man, 
We have these people in the African-American community who say that we shouldn't care what happens to other people. But like Dr. King said, an injustice to one is an injustice to all. A threat to justice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Okay? So... Um, it's good to see that Japanese descendant people are standing up uh, for these Hispanics that's being placed in very inhumane conditions. Want to get to that. Uh, Joe Biden doubled downs on his um, uh, nostalgic comments for racist segregationists. And where does Joe stand on reparations? You're listening to Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty Reed. I broadcast this program uh, Monday through Friday, starting at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Stay tuned. Because it's evil. Well, white supremacy is a system. And what does white supremacy really mean? It just doesn't mean somebody being in charge. No one should care about who's in charge of anything. If the person is not mistreating people. White supremacy is about mistreating people based on what? Based on the color in the skin of those people who are being mistreated. That's all it is. It's a form of mistreatment. There are all kinds of mistreatment in the world, but that's the greatest form of mistreatment. That's why it's supreme. Because it's the greatest form of mistreatment. If you want to look for mistreatment of the people anywhere on the planet... Most people are being mistreated based on color. That's what it is. Mm. You know, if it's just two people on earth, I mean, one person might mistreat another person just because the person is jealous or envious or something. There's all kinds of ways to mistreat people for all kinds of reasons. But this business about racism is about mistreating people based on color. Here, a confusing blur of activity, each ant doing its own thing, but it can't be. Somehow the ants coordinate their actions so that large insects are overwhelmed, killed, and carried back to the base. Pierce is dying, and my people are suffering. The money's still low, you should see how they budgeting. Watch what comes out your mouth. People are suffering. It's elementary, they want us all born eventually. Pierce is dying, people are suffering. The money's still low, you should see how they budgeting. Pierce is dying, and my people are suffering. What's the money still low? They want us all born eventually. I swear to God, living in this economy is like a robbery. The government taxing me when they owe me for my property. You niggas act like you happy to live in poverty. When I feel like a king, they gotta make these fools acknowledge me. I'm royalty and loyal to the feeling of it. The contrast make it look thuggish. We talk, walk, and look ruggish. Naturally, nothing sad to see. We all a part of this tragedy. I'm mad at you, so why you mad at me? We headed for the times of the nine. Watch out, six. Sun cycle on the rise, moon cycle out the mix. Living on this planet of the snakes and the crucifix. Pardon self as I unk my way through marching with my A boom boom, making my debut. Like great balls of fire, nothing to save you in these replenishing times. I honor my dead, making my ancestors proud when it's off with your head. Does my pencil possess potential to change mental? Yes, show what you can in 
is packed with the essential less. What is essential to keep it the sharpest against you? Yes. What is essential to keep it like a temple? Blast all to the temple, keeping the beat simple and fresh. While they whimper and rest, I'm intuition like the simplest guess. Into tradition, I'm on a mission until I transition to give the up and coming a better existence. I seen a beggar spawn reaching for a corner too. The older we get, it switches up the point of view. And they anointed you, leader of the free world. Desolate minds refined to the B girl. The most benevolent is evident who I be. Graffiti on the wall, the crew, Drew Ali. Zoo to our key, shifting on the paradigm. Raise the vibrations, then go prepare the mind. Define magnificent red gem. Dig deep, the omnipotent, all singing. I just peep the game plan. I pray for niggas, amen. Fat Sharpie, spray can, I'm made man. The suede vans, no street skate, no beat taking. For Pete's sake, he's a beast quaking, the scene shaking. No mistaking the ants, conquer the elephants. FTP, RBG, the rest develop. What's the ant's secret that makes them the most efficient predators on Earth? Consuming more meat than lions, tigers, and wolves combined. I'm way medicated, puff lion, lace sedated, and stay dedicated to culture that created the essence of the lessons now delivered in my presence. Kalanji called upon me, so now I pose the question, how is it that the blacks came in whips and chains, having nothing else to lose and everything to gain? Now niggas entertain for some whips and chains, a white dame and some pain. Is that shit not strange? Kinda hard holding down your dreams when you blacking in America with institutions set to bury you six feet underneath dirt and debt deep. Psychological when making those ends meet and needs be a hand freezer of a teaser. That the thoughts grab the gatlin for good reason. In between success, devil's greed, a pine box of mind jobs and loose. And why I come off and camouflage, can't take cloth. Eating lentils and vegetable broth, but I ain't never been soft. Beating the loss of forsaken by any cost. Bones aching, working hard, trying to bring home the turkey bacon, breaking laws of gravity. Fuck with the family and watch me savagely. Crush craniums and chest cavities to pray for the casualties. Cause my anatomy is naturally casually composed. This is self-construction for the soul. I'm black dynamite, I'll blast you with my nitros. For the dope piece, for the gold piece, and the book with five disciples. We channel and boot mine, the revolution sparker. With eight bars, the bar smoker to rock room on the altar. Watch the doctor work a mojo off the stage without a hype man. Electric verses turn the great crowd into light rain. Flood psyches with the ill beats, the brain food that's got hot fly wisdom. Call saucy, the enlightener, that's rock. 2012 and times are different, yet the same nowadays. A number of prisoners behind the cage outnumber amounts of those enslaved during the trades. And shit, we killing ourselves over what set you blame. Getting shot instead of hang. Nothing changed for the better except the cheddar of corporate profit to gain. The more money in pocket, the more people in chains. Unite niggas who bang, destroy their main aim. It's all connected from a web like an Anzi. It's the people, Siapu is the army. Start a top contender, oil plots a new agenda. They even Hi, 
The Black Talk Media Project would like to invite you to become a member of the BTR Community subscription-based social media platform. BTR Community is a platform that was set up for the listening audience of Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black radio network online. For just $24 per year, your subscription gives you access to an interactive space to share information with like-minded people with your privacy guaranteed. Your subscription will go a long way to help us maintain and improve our current media platforms. It will also help provide a budget so that we can begin the task of establishing localized media centers and radio stations across the United States. The best way to show your support and appreciation for what we do here at Black Talk Radio is to subscribe. Help us to help you be informed. Join btrcommunity.com today. Make Black Talk Radio your choice for digital black radio. New black media for the new millennium. And welcome back to BTR News. Scotty Reed in on this broadcast. Uh, our next story comes to you from CBS Philly. This is CBS Philly, uh, posted by the CBS 3 staff. Uh, it came out about three days ago. Uh, I actually had posted it in BTR Community. Um, but I wanted to uh, bring it up uh, on today's broadcast. But a local senator is calling for a state of emergency after more than 30 people shot in Philadelphia over the weekend. Pennsylvania State Senator Anthony Williams is asking Governor Tom Wolf to declare a state of emergency in Philadelphia after another violent weekend in the city saw 32 people become victims of gun violence. There were 23 shootings in 13 of the city's police districts, some having more than one victim. Uh, police say there were six homicides over the weekend. One did not involve gun violence. I uh, think we're well past the point when those of us who are elected to lead are always reacted. Are always reacted, William said. We must restore some level of public confidence by addressing this epidemic proactively. One of those shootings targeted a high school graduation party in southwest Philadelphia at Pascal Playground, James Finnegan Park, on the 6900 block of Reed Bird Place. A 24-year-old woman was shot dead and several teenagers are hurt after the shooting in southwest Philadelphia on Sunday night. So that that was this past uh weekend. It's just it's terrible, man. It's terrible. And we just really as a people uh need to come up with more effective programs. I stop the violence programs have been going on. Um I appreciate the work of those activists. You have gang interventionists, people who risk their lives to bring a stop to the violence. And I appreciate their efforts, but all of your efforts are being undermined by corporate America and Clear Channel, iHeart, um, uh, what's Kathy Hughes's Radio One, all of these stations that's playing music that promotes gun violence. You you send out these images, you send out these messages through this rap music because it ain't hip hop. It 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 has long ago diverged from the founding principles of hip-hop 
and shooting people and raping women and all that nonsense, that ain't part of the foundation of hip-hop. This is not hip-hop. This is rap music. This is corporate crap is what it is. And we and, and like that's why I was saying, you know, there should be people with means, people with money, come up with some programs, some intervention programs for these at-risk youth and send them to Ghana. Send them to Ghana. Send them on a cultural, spiritual journey. And hopefully when they return, um, they'll see themselves differently. And more importantly, they'll see others differently. And not be these mindless killers and rapers um, that these programmers want them to be. That plays a huge role in it, man. I absolutely agree with Malcolm X 100%. Media is the most powerful entity on the face of the planet. It controls the minds of the masses. And we can, we need to do better, and we can do better. And we shouldn't be uh, afraid to tackle these issues or discuss these issues because we don't want to air our dirty laundry in front of white folks. That, no, I ain't trying to hear that. Every excuse not to focus on problems that we should be working on ourselves because then guess what? If we don't solve the problem, uh, the person who created the problem is going to come up with the solution and the solution is just going to exacerbate the problem and not solve anything. Okay? So um, I just wanted to share that because Charlotte um, is um, the largest city that I'm, well, yeah, I am closer to Charlotte than I am Gastonia. Um, But Charlotte is off the chain. Over 50 people, close to 60 people have been shot or in or killed in Charlotte, in our communities. And it's mostly young people. There was a graduation party where one person was killed and four were shot. How can we say that we want to stop the violence, but then we don't want to stop the violent programming coming out over the radio station that encourages people to engage in violence. It's, 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 it's contradictory. And again, these corporations are most responsible. So how serious do we are we about addressing this problem? All right, so let me move on. Let's talk about violence coming from the white community. Uh, there was another attempt at a mass shooting. Um, you had this former uh, U.S. Army veteran um, who also was a white supremacist uh, based off his social media posts who attacked the federal courthouse down there. I think that was in Dallas. It could have been Houston, but I think it was in Dallas, Texas. And uh, luckily, he was the only one who got killed, okay? Um, but he definitely was uh, trying to kill a lot of people. Um, but anyway, conservatives have been up in uh, arms on social media uh, claiming victimhood status as this um, child, and I'm going to call him a child, and there's still hope for him. Kyle Kushoff's racist post, an uh, uh, ex-GOP representative said, I see a shooter when I look at Kyle Kushoff's racist post, and he deserves a closer look to whether someone with his profile should be able to purchase a firearm, David Jolly said, uh, Tuesday on MSNBC. And, I'll, and you know what he's talking about really here, 
is creating a database, a list, just like, and, and so don't take this as me endorsing that. I am not for governments putting people on lists and what have you, um, but they have been doing it to black people and Latino people forever. And what I'm talking about, these so-called gang databases. Well, you know, I watched some video of, of these uh, white guys, and it was a couple of women with them, going to Donald Trump's rally in Florida the other day, and they was flashing a, a white power uh, sign. And I'm like, hey, you know, that's a gang sign. Um, these are gangs. These are gangs of white supremacists. These are gangs whose whose primary um, means of existence is to terrorize non-white people, to disenfranchise non-white people, to kill non-white people. How come they not getting the gang treatment? How, where is the database on them? Where is the predictive modeling on them? Are they on being put on no-fly lists? Again, I am not for government lit lists, but I am for a common-sense approach to finding solutions to these problems. So I'm just pointing out more institutional racism. So let, let me get... Um, to this, let me. I, I should just go ahead and play this clip from. Uh, he was on MSNBC. He was reacting to Harvard's decision to pull Parkland shooting survivor and right wing pundit Kyle Kushoff's admission over past racial slurs. For, uh, former rapper, Republican Representative Dollar, David Jolly asserted Tuesday that the racist messages Kushoff sent to classmates were the hallmarks of a mass shooter. Again, just like the guy uh, who tried to take shoot or kill a lot of people at the court, federal courthouse in Texas. Racist posts. Oh, I mean, a lot of these people, Dylan Roof, they have a paper trail. They, they have indicators that they might be um, commit acts of violence. So let me see if I this, can see this up. But Congressman... I do have to ask the question, do you see politics here? Because we need to note Kyle became a public activist after he survived the shooting at Parkland. But in his own lane, he was one of the few activists who was defending Second Amendment rights. There are conservatives today who have cried foul over Harvard's decision, saying that they are kowtowing to the left. Um, do you think there's any reason to question political motive? I don't. I, Stephanie, I take a much harder line on this. I think this is the perfect story for our time when within our culture we have leaders who are giving greater permission uh, to, to racist statements and people with racist feelings. They're giving them greater equity. I think it's important for Harvard to say, not in our community. That is not a voice that we are going to give equity in our diverse community. When I saw it, Steph, I had the same reaction of a lot of people that perhaps a young man deserves redemption. But if you look at this, this story is greater than Harvard. And and what the screenshots show he said, according to the Huffington Post, which are not getting enough play, is this young man posted, kill the effing Jews. He posted the N-word repeatedly, and he referred to one of these shoot 'em up video games and suggested that they should put a map of that on his high school. Now, this was two years before Parkland, but my immediate reaction when I really dug into this is these are the social media postings we see of a shooter, and we ask, where were the signs? 
see something, say something. We see a shooter, and then we go back and we look at social media posts, and this is exactly what we see. I understand the sensitivity towards this young man because of Parkland. I'm not a mental health professional to assess him on those grounds. But what but, I would but suggest... But, Congressman, is, is, that, is that too far? Can you make a leap like that? It is that? not. No, no, it is not, Stephanie, because if an incident were to occur, and, I, and again, I, I'm not saying it will with this young man, but these are the exact posts we find of people, particularly those who advocate for, gun for stronger gun rights, who has been given an audience with the President of the United States in the Oval Office, by Nikki Haley as well, by Vice President Mike Pence, who was an invited guest to a rally to speak at a rally for Matt Gates and Ron DeSantis, who was a speaker at the NRA recently. You have to question, how do we promote somebody with these social media posts in their background? I, the, the young man deserves redemption, but he also deserves a closer look to whether somebody with this profile should be able to purchase a firearm under the gun laws in the United States. This is a bigger question than Harvard. I commend Harvard for making this decision. I think it was a clear-cut decision on their part, no controversy at all. Eddie. Okay, I'm, I'm going to leave it there. Uh, that clip comes from MSNBC. Um, and his comments speak for themselves. And I agree with him 100% on everything he said, including the we might want to prohibit uh, people who express this sort of ideology, this hatred for Jews, these hatred for African-descended people. We might want to rethink whether or not they have a right to purchase uh, 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 guns in this country because uh, we see historically uh, what white people with that mindset have done with those guns. Genocide. Slavery. And so on and so forth. The Ku Klux Klan. Terrorism. So I, I, I don't find anything wrong with, with this former Republican uh, uh, representative uh, stated. And, and I wholeheartedly agree, like he said, Harvard, if Harvard doesn't want this type of individual on their campus, <coughs> if they don't want to provide um, or give access to people to their campus with these sort of views, then they're well within their right. This isn't a public college or university. Now, the issue will be different if we're talking about public colleges and universities funded with U.S. tax dollars. Um, why? Because then the First Amendment issue does come up. Even though I would say that even I still would be um, not feeling sorry for this kid. But Harvard is a private university. It's not public. It's private. He's not entitled to go to Harvard. Nobody's entitled to go to Harvard except for those legacy uh, alumni children, which I think that should be done away with. So what I mean by that is since since President Obama attended Harvard, that means any of his children get automatic admission based off their father uh, being a former uh, student there or alumni of Harvard. Uh, I think those should be uh, done away with. Okay? So I, I agree with everything the uh, former congressman had to say, David Jolly, about this story. So I, I'll, I'll move on. I mean, these people acting like they're vic victims. Like 
Twitter or Facebook, even though Twitter allows it, um, but Facebook or YouTube, which has been purging a lot of channels, you don't have a right to say whatever the want, what you want on somebody else's platform. I have kicked people off of this radio station. I have denied access to people because of their anti-blackness. Even though they are black, they were in denial that they were black. Oh, they were portraying themselves like they was black when they first contacted me. Uh, But they was on that, I'm a copper color aborigine. We ain't African and all of no, no, no. Black Talk Media Project did not build this platform for you to come on and spew that ridiculous ideology. We're not on here to tell African people and black people that they're not black or they're not African. No. I I, uh, reserve the right to refuse service. If your content doesn't line up with our terms of service, bye, you're gone. So, um, I don't know where people think that I that people who have built something have to give other people access to what they have built. They don't have to if they don't want to. It ain't about freedom of speech. It's about what type of platforms or communities we want to have. And if we don't want racists in our community, if we don't want anti-African black people in our community, we don't have to have you in our community. And that's just the that's just the end of story. There's nothing to debate. There's nothing to discuss. You have you if you want the right to say what you want to say, then go build your own platform, and you can say whatever the hell you want to say. That's that's how I feel about it. I'm not one of these free speech extremists. No, I am not. Japanese American internment camp survivors are protesting. Let me pull up this article at some of the detention facilities that have been set up. Uh, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez calls them concentration camps. About 45 miles, this comes to you from ABC News, about 45 miles from Crystal City, Texas, where Hiroshi Shimazu was held as a child in a Japanese internment camp during World War II. There is the South Texas Residential Family Center in Dilly, a euphemism, some would say, for a family detention center. Listen, for years on New Abolitionist Radio, we have been reporting on these stories, especially with private prison companies. Uh, coming up with these names like to make one of them was child care Pennsylvania and that was one of those uh, juvenile detention facilities where those two judges were sending children there because they were getting kickbacks under the table over a million dollars in kickbacks just to fill up that detention facility with minors regardless of the seriousness of the offense they would send them there because they was getting paid. And they called it, the, the name of that detention facility was Pennsylvania Child Care, something along, along those lines. As the country's largest detention 
uh, center with capacity up to 24,000. It's been a focus on the ongoing immigration debate across the nation. Now, 76 years old, Shimizu is returning to Crystal City on Saturday afternoon along with a group of Japanese-American individuals and organizations, organizations to stage a peaceful protest at the border against family separations under the Trump administration's zero-tolerance policy. More than 60 people of Japanese ancestry, many of whom are either former detainees or descendants of those who were incarcerated during World War II, first made a pilgrimage to the site of the former Japanese detention center in Crystal City, where a memorial service took place in honor of their families and those who lost their lives. A statement from Sasuke Ina, one of the organizers, said that these former World War II detainees now in their 70s, 80s, and 90s, along with their friends, families, and descendants, would travel east from Crystal City to Dili, where they will join the rest of the protesters calling attention to all immigrants being subjected to mass incarceration um, today. And um, that article continues on. Um, and again, I want to thank them uh, for standing up and not letting uh, skin color and nationality um, be a impediment to them to standing up for justice or standing up against injustice. Because like Dr. King said, an injustice, a, a threat to justice everywhere, anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Okay? And, and you know, I am just saddened that we do have however small a group may be um, but we have African Americans who say we should turn a blind eye to the mistreatment of other groups of people by this country and some of them even aligning themselves with the Trump administration. I agree with Trump and, and all this and that. Um, now I know Im immigration is a nuanced issue um, but what we're talking about is the inhumane conditions and treatment of human beings. And I'm sorry, I just can't be that self-centered. And I also recognize that other groups throughout our oppression in this country have, have stood up to the injustice that was being placed upon us. Even if it wasn't a, a, a majority of individuals, it was still individuals and I, I'm just reminded I can't recall her name um, I probably would butcher it if I could if I if I could recall her name but remember it was a Japanese American woman who uh, stood with Malcolm X matter of fact she was on that stage and held him in her arms uh, as he died after he was shot down by black people okay so um, rebel, black revolutionary movements have always been what I should call pan-human, um, even though they did not set aside their ties to blackness or, or try to minimize their own blackness or African heritage. They recognize, they recognize that this is a war between the oppressed and the oppressors. So um, shout out to those Japanese Americans who stood up against the injustice that we see on our southern border. Joe Biden is defending comments um, 
and I don't know, maybe he keeps repeating himself on this because he's been called out for this same thing um, before in the past. But, um, you know, they said that Joe Biden was a gaffe machine. Now, I'm not saying he's a gaffe machine. I'm just saying he's speaking what's in his mind. Don't call it a gaffe just because it's embarrassing to you. It's not a gaffe. It's what he thinks. Former Vice President, this comes to you from NPR, former Vice President Joe Biden isn't backing down from his comments recalling the civility of his working relationships with two segregationist lawmakers. Of course, you know, when he was a senator at one time, he was pushing uh, for continued segregation. In fact, he's saying New Jersey Senator Cory Booker, who criticized his remarks, is the one who needs to offer an apology. At a New York fundraiser Tuesday, Biden said he was able to work with Mississippi Senator James Eastland and George, Georgia Senator Herman Talmadge, two Democrats who oppose civil rights legislation and integration efforts. We didn't agree on much of anything we got things done. Oh, well, if you didn't agree on much, how'd you get anything done? Biden said, joking that Eastland never called me boy, he would always call me son. And I do know the other presidential candidate um, who's in the uh, seeking the Democratic nomination is currently the mayor of New York. De Blasio said that this one guy, Eastland, has said that uh, people like him and his family, because his wife's black and he has interracial children, uh, should be shot. Should be killed, should be murdered. And these are two Democrats who were segregationists and didn't support uh, uh, civil rights for for uh, African Americans. Um, but he was also very made fine comments. So yeah, now I know what's going on. He recently said the same thing about Strom Thurmond and and how he looked at him as a father figure. Come on, man. So you know. Uh, he's talking about civility. See, Joe Biden is what has been called a refined racist. He's a civilized racist, meaning he doesn't call people the N-word. He doesn't call people um, any other kind of derogatory names for different groups of people. Um, no, he, he doesn't. But he does write and support racist policy. Okay, so he's what we call a refined racist. He doesn't use the language of racist, the crude, unrefined language of racist. He's a little bit more refined in his racism. So, um, you know, he just seems to be very fond of racist and segregationist because he is one himself. Booker criticized the remarks in a statement saying collaborating with quote-unquote, proud segregationists is not the best example of bringing the country together and that you don't joke about calling black men boys. Apologize for for what, uh, Biden said. Corey should apologize. Biden told reporters outside of fundraising near Washington, D.C. He knows better. There's not a racist bone in my body. I've been involved in civil rights my whole career, period. Whatever, dude. Uh, here's the deal. I could not have disagreed with Jim Eastland more. He was a segregationist. I ran for the United States Senate because I disagreed with the views of the segregation. See, he's lying now because he's on record of being against segregation. The point I'm making is you don't have to agree. You don't have to like the people in terms of their views, but you just simply make the case and you beat them. Well, you was talking about working with them and you was bragging about how you work with them. Booker, of one, uh, Booker, one of just three African-Americans in the U.S. Senate, 
has made civil rights era moments like the Civil Voting Rights March, a centerpiece of his campaign stump speech. He responded on CNN saying, the vice president said, I should know better, and this is what I know. As a black man in America, I know the deeply harmful and hurtful usage of the word boy and how it was used to dehumanize and degrade. I know that segregationists, like the two people he was talking about, through their laws and their language, language deeply wounded this nation. Um, and it, go, it, it goes on. Um, in recent weeks, Senators Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren and South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg, as well as several lower polling candidates, have, been, have begun criticizing Biden's track record and campaign messaging. But for the most part, those critiques have been broad and theoretical without mentioning Biden, Biden by names. Um, Sanders, Harris, and Buttigieg will all share a debate stage with Biden next week. Sanders, in particular, is expected to directly confront Biden's record during the two-hour forum. Again, that comes to you from NPR. Um, I'm telling y'all, man, he, he's like Trump without the language, without the, the rhetoric, without the racist uh, rhetoric, although he is dog-whistling uh, like Trump, okay? So... Um, yeah, I don't see the difference between him and Trump other than the language they choose to use. They all um, support same policies. Probably had the same racist friends. Last story that I'm going to share with you before I shut it down so I can get these uh, podcasts posted that I'm behind on um, and uh, look at some proposals. Oh, by the way, speaking of gun violence, when I was talking about gun violence and what happened in Philly, uh, I am looking at a proposal from a, a black woman um, who's, a, I, I believe she's a psychologist, um, but she has been working on harm reduction models um, for violence in the community, and she wants to uh, bring that message to a wider audience and um, I, and so it's uh, possible. Um, I haven't made a decision yet, but it's possible that uh, we will um, bring her program to Black Talk Radio Network. Okay, so yesterday again was the reparation hearing. Um, Biden's not talking about it. Um, he's talking about his segregationist friends and how uh, uh, Cory Booker should apologize to him, and he owes nobody apology. But uh, this came to you from Vice. Um, it was written by Harry Cheadle, came out yesterday. He said, Democrats want to tackle reparation, but Joe Biden isn't so sure. Uh, the former vice president continues to split with the more left-wing candidates he's running against. For the first time in decades, reparations are part of the mainstream political debate. Top-tier Democratic presidential candidates, including Elizabeth Warren and Kamala Harris, have discussed the need to address the historic evil of slavery and the massive wealth gap caused by bondage and systemic racism. While the specifics of how much would be provided to whom and how that might work are usually left vague, there is widespread support among the 2020 contenders for at least a serious look at making reparations a reality. Again, H.R. 40 bill is not a bill to provide reparations. It is a bill to gather the evidence that reparations is needed and to come up with proposals that would make up reparations. So 
Um, I think there's a lot of confusion concerning that bill. Um, but anyway, the key proposal many progressives are backing is a bill that would establish a commission on reparations. Not a commitment to actual payouts or programs, but to be sure, but a step toward a concrete proposal to enact them. Wednesday hearings on the measure H.R. 40 marked the first time since 2007 that Congress has formally discussed the issue. The Senate version is sponsored by Cory Booker and co-sponsored by fellow 2020 candidates Warren Harris, Amy Koblar, Kirsten Gillibrand, and Bernie Sanders. But Joe Biden, the so-called Democratic frontrunner, won't go there. In a statement to Vice this week for a story about health care reparations, a Biden spokesperson said the former vice president believes that we should gather the data necessary to have an informed conversation about reparations, but he has not endorsed a specific bill. So again, I don't know what's in these people's mind. I don't know what they think HR 40 does, but that's exactly what it does. It gathers the data necessary to have an informed conversation. Okay. So why isn't he endorsing that? What he says he support the old mealy mouth, man, then geez, I'm, I'm going to leave it there. I'm, I'm just going to leave it there. Okay. So that's where Biden stands. He doesn't support it, but he does support it. Okay, so um, I, I don't know what he actually uh, supported. And then he's not speaking. He's got somebody else uh, speaking for him. All right, so let me close out the radio program. Thank you for tuning in. If you think uh, useful information is, is contained in this broadcast, share the podcast. Continue to support the efforts of Black Talk Media Project by making a donation to the nonprofit. If you have not made a donation, um, make one today. Any amount will do. We understand um, we have uh, uh, been victims of um, wealth inequality in this country, but like I've said, um, we usually can take a little bit and do a lot with it. So whatever little bit you can give, please give. Also, Think about becoming a member of our social media community, btrcommunity.com. With that said, peace and blessings to all. I'm out of here. Y'all be safe.